Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. I want to first up thank our supporting partners who make this podcast possible, and this month that's Magura and Canyon. Magura is not only providing riders like Loic Bruni, Finn Isles and Danny Hart with the incredible braking performance that they need to race at the top level, but they also make a setup that's still really powerful but much more affordable. Their four-piston MT5 brake offers an unbeatable performance to price ratio of just €100. Euros. That's half the price of its big brother, the MT7, which I've been using and absolutely loving. Yet the MT5 still offers nearly the same stability and power. Also, with the MT5, you get to benefit from the Magura Customize Your Brake program, which we talked about in a recent podcast episode. Check out downtimepodcast.com forward slash Magura if you've not listened to that. That means you can choose from three different lever shapes, four different rotors and four pad compounds to adjust the brake exactly to your needs and preferences when it comes to ergonomic stability and power. If you're looking for a brake upgrade for the season, then get yourself more control with Magura's MT brake range. Head to Magura.com to find out more now. I've been lucky enough to spend some time on a few of Canyon's latest bikes and I've enjoyed every minute of it. If you've not listened to the episode we did last year where we tested all the wheel size options of the new Spectral back-to-back and against the clock, then you should check that out over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash wheel size. It's been a really popular episode. Alongside their regular mountain bike range, Canyon have been working really hard on what the future of e-bikes looks like. I can't say much more than that for today, but what I will say is that you should be keeping an eye on the Canyon website, canyon.com, as they'll be soon starting to show what they've been up to. While you're here, don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. There's buttons to help you get that done over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. Merch is available if you want to support the show. That's over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. If you want a copy of the first issue of our print project, Downtime EP, then you can do that at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. And all the links you need for all of this stuff are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. You can also get in touch and give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook by heading to at Downtime Podcast. This episode is also supported by The Strength Factory, and I'm joined by Strength Factory's main man, Ben Planger, to find out how we can all go about being sharp and powerful this summer. Ben shares the secrets behind training for power and tells us how to achieve those crank bending sprints that we'd all love to have. What's even better is that you get to do it while avoiding feeling the burn. We also chat about getting ready for an event or a trip to maximise the chances of it going well when it comes around and we catch up on my EWS 100 training or lack of it. Ben provided some really sage advice on that which I think will help a lot of people. There's also some awesome discount codes in the episode for you lucky listeners if you want to get on one of Ben's programs, but be quick as they expire on the 15th of April. Head over to thestrengthfactory.uk and get involved. Right, there's tons of awesome info in this episode, so without further ado, here's Ben Plenger. All right, Ben Plenger, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. Lovely sunny day in Leeds. How's things? Yeah, really great, thanks. Yep, about... Six months since the last one, yeah. so uh, getting in nice and regularly. But yeah, it's great to be back on, and yeah, stoked. We've just had a, a lush, uh, lush ride this morning in the in the spring sun. Yeah, I even complained about dust off your back wheel, which <laughs> is not something I've done for a while. Yeah, there was actual dust on the hill. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen much of that this year. Yeah, yeah, and it was just yeah, it was a great way to start the day. Clear heads, yeah. caffeinated now as well. Ready so to uh, chat ready to chat yeah. yeah press ups and adult pe basically good stuff <laughs> and what's been going on with you you've made a few changes kind of in the last few months right yeah yeah i guess the the main one for me like bike wise is 
as you may know, for years before I was running bike testing for Wide Open Mag yeah. down in Bristol. Um, but moved on from that now. And I'm now riding as an ambassador for Vitus Bikes nice. and like Royal Racing yeah. for clothing and 7IDP for the uh, helmets and protection and stuff. Sweet. So yeah, pretty stoked actually. It's uh, Yeah, it's going really well. And I'm just really enjoying having one bike after being years of being spoiled with test bikes all the time yeah and actually just really having one to really get used to and really get dialed in rather than just getting hang of it and sending it back basically <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and not having to box up a bike every five minutes yeah exactly uh although i have realized where i've been so spoiled i was like I had to change like brake pads the other day and stuff. And I thought I haven't put, done brake pads or bled a brake in about five or six years. Like, wow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, first world problems. But yeah, stoked on the Vitus. It's, um, yeah, I'm riding the Summit uh, Enduro bike. And yeah, I guess the reason I wanted to ride for them is it really ties in with my general outlook. You know, as much as I coach pro and elite riders, half of my coaching is the everyday rider, mm -hmm. you know, who we're talking to today mostly. Yeah. Um, and I honestly believe that anyone can be a better rider through being a bit fitter and stronger, but then it ties in nicely because actually they're so affordable, these bikes. Yeah, true. And, and I'm riding around, my bike was 2,700 pounds, you know, and I could still still went and stuck it in the top 10 racing last week yeah. in veterans and I'm not like some weapon <laughs> and it's like actually yeah you can kind of have it all you know Sweet. and so I'm stoked yeah yeah good stuff man I'm glad that's uh, working out well for you and focusing more on the training side of things and like you say last time we came on we did an episode that was kind of fitness for the everyday rider and we actually covered I guess a lot of the mistakes that people often make and things that we should try and avoid I think it was super helpful. It's been a really popular episode. So if people haven't listened to that, obviously scroll back to kind of October timeframe and have a look for that. I'll, maybe I'll stick a link in the show notes as well. This time around, we wanted to cover lots of things to do rather than things not to do, right? Yeah, basically. And yeah, like we said earlier, we sat here, it's spring. The days are longer. The clocks change tomorrow, I think, as we record this or this weekend. Yeah. Uh, yes, Sunday morning. And for a lot of people, they're starting to think about maybe a race or you've got a riding weekend planned with mates or a holiday if you're lucky. And um, yeah, so today we're just going to talk about how you can kind of crank up your sort of spring power, basically mm -hmm. to crank up that fitness just to, whether your goal is just to enjoy your rides more to, or to prepare for a race or holiday or just to, yeah, just to be more badass really. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, let's start off at a high level then before we get into the detail, like, looking at it from above kind of thing. How do we want to be changing our training through this spring into summer phase? Yeah. So as always, you know, we're making big generalizations. So it kind of depends where you've come from as well. Cause so anyone who knows me knows how bang on about aerobic zone two training being the foundation of your fitness. And, I, and that is absolutely the case. But I also understand that winter is a really hard time to get a big volume of aerobic training in, you yeah. know, it's cold, it's dark, it's wet, short days. Um, and so maybe people, some people watching might've been like banging out the Zwift sessions in their garage and things like that, short, intense intervals and things. And so now is the time to maybe do it the other way around mm -hmm. and, and do the aerobic work now. Okay. And, and, 
you know, that's, it's got a, a name, it's called reverse periodization, which that is very jargony. But the bottom line is that, yes, ideally, you know, you'd live in the Mediterranean and you do like <laughs> hours of zone two or winter. And now you would do the intervals, but that's not reality for a lot of the people listening. And if you've been doing like great work in the garage or winter on Zwift and turbo training, then now let's back that off. Mm-hmm. And let's get those, get those miles in, get the aerobic work in, and it's still going to benefit you. And then you can get back on the intervals or, okay. you know, tailor it back in. Similarly, you know, maybe you have been getting that aerobic work in up till now. You've been doing like zone two work and steady rides and things like that. And so now is the time to start adding in a little intensity in the form of, yeah, some harder rides or some more structured intervals and things like that. Okay. Um, so there's kind of two answers in a way, depending on where you're coming from. Yeah. As always, it's all about context as uh-huh. always, Chris. Yeah. So power and intensity are the sort of. Yeah, exactly. Cause they're, they're the things that generally assuming you've got enough endurance to get you around whatever you're doing on the day, mm-hmm. they are the things that then help you, I guess, go hard on the day. Yeah. You know, let you ride every stage of an enduro race at the, your maximum ability, yeah, you yeah. know, rather than always hedging yourself a bit, okay. you know, and, and, you know, people, a lot of people I think get uh, like the everyday trail rider maybe gets a bit put off by the idea of like powerful and like sprint and all that sort of thing. And they think, Oh, that's just for the races and things like that. But it's really not. It's, you know, that stat, that ability to stand on the pedals and actually accelerate mm-hmm. that just gets you up a steep, climb or a techie climb or it links a couple of turns you know and things like that and it just gives you more options on the trail and when we do more of the intervals and stuff and really increase your like your vo2 max your aerobic capacity that that sort of fitness there is it just improves everything you know just your ability to go hard your ability to sprint your ability to uh, to recover. Mm-hmm. And so if we can like get those things going now in the spring, then yeah, you're riding this summer. We'll, we'll thank you. Nice. So just on the off chance that people have maybe had a rough winter have struggled to get out in any kind of shape or form over this, over this kind of off season, I guess, is it a bad idea to dive straight into kind of power and interval based work? Should they focus more on like your zone two aerobic stuff? Like if you've been fairly sedentary over the winter, like how do you get going? Yeah. So I would say that, yeah, if, if you haven't had in quotes, like a good winter, uh-huh. I guess, training fitness wise, maybe you've had COVID or whatever, then the, the ba- the, the base of your fitness still needs to be that aerobic work. Yeah. But, if you're going, if your like goal, I guess your, your trip or your, your race or whatever is sooner rather than later, maybe it's six or eight weeks away instead of a few months away yeah. in, in the summer, then actually, you know, you're going to need to start getting some intensity now as well. Okay. So if, you know, you're still a few months out, then just start with that aerobic base work. If you're more talking about weeks from, from that goal event or whatever, then, I would go for a bit of a sort of 50, 50 split okay. um, and say, look, my, my goal is a little more short term. So I'm going to get a bit of intensity and a bit of base work now. Yeah. Um, and then I think that's a good way to look at it. So just have a look at your time frame. Okay. 
Cool. And there's plenty of information both in podcasts that we've chatted about in the past, but in, in, on the internet in general about Zone 2 kind of base miles work. So if people want to look that up, it's fairly yeah, exactly. easy to find. Exactly. And, and now's a great time to do it, you know, with the days getting longer. Um, and, you know, we're both in a similar situation, like early 40s, kids, own business, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, yes, ideally two to three hours is a great place to, yeah. <laughs> is a great way to do your base work. But I, I don't get to do that and yeah, I don't yeah. think you do. And so just a little and often is fine. And I, I've said it many times on this podcast, something's always better than nothing. Yeah. And 45 minutes a couple of times a week, you know, it, it adds up. It adds up. For you sure. Know? So, yeah. Cool. All right. Good stuff. So people can get stuck into that. We're going to focus on that, you know, that power side of things. Mm. Where do we start? How do we go about building power into our training? Okay, so let's talk, yeah, let's think power. Let's kind of define it a little okay. tighter. So for me, the power in a rider gets applied in two senses. Number one, crank bending sprints, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> um, that change in speed. And number two, the ability to really pump and like put pressure and energy into the bike and into the terrain. But then that also the opposite of that is also that ability to kind of absorb as well. Like, yeah. So, you know, you're more powerful. Maybe you can absorb a bigger landing and hit and things like that. You know, as trails get faster and drier in the summer and stuff. Mm -hmm. So if we, and they are different, but they, they overlap as well with okay. the physical qualities. So if we talk about uh, the gym, first of all, my favorite. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you think about the different things we can do in the gym and how fast those things are, how fast they have your body moving, where at the slowest end, you would have maybe a heavy squat or a heavy deadlift, mm -hmm. where if you want to get really jargony, you're maybe moving at about 0 0.3 to 0 0.5 meters per second, like okay. really slow, like you're grinding the weight up. It's heavy. Yeah. That's the slow end. And then at the, the fast end of the spectrum would be jumping. So mm -hmm. doing a box jump, like we've all seen on Instagram, yeah. where I'm going to load my body up and try and hopefully then spring, explode up. And that is going to be probably the fastest movement that you do in the gym. And then depending on what sort of athlete you are, you know, you're going to be hitting peak velocities of like three plus meters per second. Okay. okay? Is it, you know, that's a, a decent place to be for most people. Um, and then you've got, so you, you could basically, you're an engineer, you're like this, but you, you know, you could, you could literally plot like a power profile with someone, uh -huh. which isn't accessible to everyone, but just so they understand it where, you know, you've got, right, how fast can you move a heavy weight? Mm -hmm. And then how fast can you move like a, a bit of a lighter weight and then like a moderate to lightweight and then your body weight. Okay. And then, so basically what you've got is the strength is the foundation to the power because that gives you that that strength is the force you can then mm -hmm. apply. And then by lifting lighter weights quickly and your body weight, like jumping, we then learn to apply that force quickly because uh -huh. that's what power is. Mm -hmm. It's the ability to apply force quickly. Um, acceleration, you know, it's a yeah. simple way to think of it. So what we want to do is try and hit those those different points again i try not to be jargony but that it's called the, your force velocity 
curve basically so we want to hit different points on it and this is one of the things that you know the athletes i coach what they what they pay for is that i understand that and like we're gonna do some we've done some heavy work in the winter they're stronger now and now we're gonna um maybe use a trap bar deadlift for instance um or a hex bar people might call it and if their maximum lift is 120 140 kilos then maybe we're gonna do a 40 50 kilo trap bar jumping deadlift where they literally jump with it or you use dumbbells and so that's hitting that kind of middle ground yeah and then we're going to do some box jumps uh, or some single leg box jumps and then we've also got things in there like kettlebell swings maybe yeah yeah. Um, if you do olympic lifting that's where your uh, like cleans like power cleans come in and things Mm -hmm. like that Um, that ability to be explosive like in particular with your hips, really. That's what it's all about. That's where the power comes from. Okay. So in the gym, we just want to try and build that foundation of strength first. And if you're listening to this, think you'll need to be more powerful, but I've not done any bodyweight training, haven't done any gym work, then don't worry about the time of year. Just get strong Yeah. for okay. now. Just ignore the rest of what I said. <laughs> just get stronger um, because you'll become more powerful without worrying about the rest. Yeah, because your your ability to apply force is Be- going to increase. Exactly, yeah. because you'll have more force yeah. and so you'll become more powerful. If you've already done some strength work, whether it's body weight or in the gym or whatever, then now you can think, yeah, you know, I'm going to try and move some lighter weights more quickly. Yeah. Um, and again, do some jumping or something like that. But as always, I, I, um, I'm very... I'm cautious in my coaching and approach as your regular listeners will know, like very low risk with my training and just things like a box jump, you know, or or like jumping and landing and things like that is that you you should only really be jumping if you can do it with pretty good form, you know, because otherwise we're just setting yourself up for, for an injury. Mm -hmm. It's just things like if you can't do a decent squat, you shouldn't be doing jumps, you know, Um, you need to, yeah, just be able to do that sort of thing safely. Yeah. Um, and just ease it in gradually. You don't do the first session and do 50 jumps, you know, or some like stupid CrossFit jump over <laughs> burpee box jumps and stuff, you know. It's not where to start. No, exactly. And it's interesting, actually. So I follow your complete MTB program and have done for a good while now, especially trying to get ready for EWS. And uh, this last month's been power month, right? We've been very focused on power in the program. And I noticed, well, not only now you talk about this force velocity spectrum, it's clear that we've been doing that, but it feels like the warm up changed a little bit. Yeah, we're just trying to uh, just get you sort of firing and sparking, you yeah. know, especially if, you know, maybe you're training at the end of the day, you've been sat driving or sat at your laptop or whatever, and then we go in the gym and do do a little warm up, and then I want you to, to really jump maximally with as explosive and aggressively as you can, it's difficult to, to turn that on mentally and physically. Yeah. So yeah, I would always do some, some warm up jumps and things as mm-hmm. well. Um, we don't go straight into them. And I also like to use skipping as well. Uh, yeah. how, how, how is your skipping coming along actually? You know what? I never bought a skipping rope. Yeah. So I look like an absolute idiot in the gym. Do you pretend? I just pretend to skip. <laughs> do you spin your uh, hands and wrists around or do you just uh, hop, not, pop? Not really. Spot? I just pop. And, and to be fair, I think like I'm, I have skipped in the past and I was very bad at it. Yeah. So I think at least doing that, like 
that three minutes of skipping, I'm actually skipping for three minutes instead of getting the rope Tangling around twice. The rope. And, yeah, yeah. If um, anybody's listening who can sponsor Chris for a skipping <laughs> rope, uh, just get in touch, Chris at Downtown Podcast, <laughs> and we'll get him one, even if it's like a pink Barbie one or something. I'll do. We'll get him one. And if not, I'll send you one, mate. But uh, yeah, like skipping is definitely a, a great way to do that because especially it really warms up the, the lower leg. And it, it, you know, when you're bad at it, it makes you feel the complete opposite of being athletic. Uh-huh. Um, but when you get a bit better at it and get that coordination, it does, it makes you feel quite athletic. Like I'm now ready to go and do something like an athlete, Yeah, yeah. whether you're a builder or an accountant or whatever. But it's that, uh, so I, I quite like it because you have to kind of concentrate and focus as well. So we're, we're definitely okay. going to sort you out with one, Chris. Nice. And it makes you feel kind of springy, I think. Like when exactly. I, when I first started the skipping again, in this, I think it was this month, maybe yeah. a little bit last month. I I always find it quite hard initially, and then over mm. the month it gets uh, it gets easier and it gets more pleasant, and I feel more primed and more kind of yeah. Yeah, more springy throughout the month. And that that's the thing as well. So that's skipping is basically a low level plyometric exercise, uh-huh. and a lot of people confuse things like box jumps with plyometric. So a box jump is a powerful exercise where where you just do it once, you generate power to jump, whereas a, Plyometric is more about like landing and then returning energy efficiently. And so when you're starting that skipping or if someone starts some sort of plyometric training where you're basically bouncing or bounding or hopping or skipping, um, your lower leg in particular, so your foot, your Achilles, your your ankle, your calf is going to try and do that in a very muscular way where you'll land and the muscles will decelerate you and the muscles will contract again to like spring you up. Yeah. And so you're going to find people, they're a bit slow. They spend a long time on the floor initially when mm-hmm. they start skipping. Um, and that's because they haven't developed those, the quality of, it's like a, it's hard to describe. It's like a supple stiffness yeah, yeah. <laughs> where you don't want to be too stiff and just like banging the floor each time. But it needs to be stiff enough where it's like it's more about your like tendons and ligaments and like stiffness in your foot and ankle to return and officially conserve that energy so you like spring yeah rather than using your muscles so much uh, okay so it's a little different and it's it's more than your lower leg it's your it's your hips as yeah. well and all of that and your posture but um, yeah so for plyometrics and mountain biking is it's a bit of a tricky one figuring out really if and where it fits in yeah because certainly there's nothing plyometric about the pedal stroke because it's just push push there's no uh like landing phase if you like Mm. and you know whether you could call like imagine riding a pump track yeah whether you could really call that plyometric or not it's kind of hard to say say yeah for me it's something that i've puzzled over over the years uh quite a bit and and I keep coming back to just the idea that that if we can make riders and and at this end I'm talking more about the the elite riders who've got more time to train and they're mm-hmm. generally better athletes. If we can make them a better well-rounded athlete, better human, and as part of that is the ability to store and return that energy in a plyometric way, then that's probably going to help their their riding. Yeah. Um, for most people listening, do some skipping and stuff really good great as a warm-up 
good to just develop that low level quality, good for like resilience as well, for, for develop, um, nice, strong, like robust Achilles and things okay. like that, you know. Um, but don't worry too much about sort of springing around doing plyometric. I'd focus on strength and power. Okay. And then if you, if you really want to get into it, then you can give me a call and we'll talk, we'll talk plyos. <laughs> Fair and, enough. Yeah. Well, let's, so let's focus a bit more on the power stuff. When we're doing that power-based work, what's changing physically in our body? Are we developing different types of muscle fibres? What's going on? Yeah, that's a really interesting one, actually, Chris. So it's more about your body and your nervous system communicating better with the muscles. Uh -huh. uh, and, and so it's, they're learning to contract more quickly and in a more coordinated way. That is what makes an athlete more powerful okay. for a given strength. So two athletes with, let's say, identical squat, quad strength, like identical twins, whatever, let's call them. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, one, and then you take one of them and they do this power work where they're trying to move quickly. Mm -hmm. What's happening is their muscles, you could look at them, are both the same yeah. under a microscope or cross-section, chop their leg off. And, um, <laughs> but... The one who's been doing that power training are able to more effectively, it's called recruit those muscles. So okay. the electrical impulses, the signals, the nervous system sends and coordinates that to more efficiently and to more quickly generate power. Right. Uh, but that then lets them like jump higher or, or faster or do that big sprint on the bike, basically. Okay. Yeah. So it's quite yeah. interesting. So some people may find that, you know, when you start doing power training, you might like get a bit of sort of growth in your, in your legs and quads, but generally most people won't experience that sort of change. Okay. And we'll talk about sets and reps in a minute, but the other thing about it is that you don't, you know, you're not looking for that, that burn, yeah. you know, normally the burn is where you start to break down muscle and that tends to lead more to growth. Mm -hmm. um, but we're not looking for the burn. We're looking for high quality and high quality means high speed. Yeah. As soon as the burn starts to build, the speed goes down, the quality goes down, the power goes down. Yeah. Okay. So leave the burn for another day. Power training is the complete opposite of the burn, yeah. which is why we do maybe three to five reps of box jump. And it's like, yeah, we could do 10, but reps six, seven, nine, 10, whatever. Each one of those, they just get, each rep is getting slower. Mm -hmm. And so all we're doing now then is we're getting tired. We're not getting more powerful. Okay. And that's what people always do wrong. And then in between sets, you need a decent rest as well. And people are always saying, oh yeah, Ben, I'm doing you, doing the program. And they think I'm going to say, oh, well done. When they say, oh, I was feeling really good. So I just cut down the rest between <laughs> the jumps and I just facepalm myself. And it's like... <laughs> I put three to four minutes for a reason yeah, yeah. because we need at the cellular level, we need the energy stores to replenish. Mm -hmm. So the next set can be maximal again. Okay. And if you do five really good jumps and then a minute later, you do another five jumps, the second five are going to be garbage. They're going to be slow. Okay. Uh -huh. So sitting around the gym is for four or five minutes you just end up scrolling your phone and you know, that's no good. So that's why, you know, on the complete mountain bike program that you're on and with my athletes, I'll always do a superset, 
you know, where I'll put box jumps and then while your lower body recovers, we'll go and do an upper body exercise, like a a press up or a pull up or something like that. And then you rest a minute after that. Before you know it, we've probably had three or four minutes, you know, and just to really put the, the resting in perspective, um, Usain Bolt, fast dude. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty nifty. Um, so like Usain Bolt, top sprinter, he's got all the time in the world back in the day in Jamaica and he'd be doing in training like one sprint every half an hour maybe, Chris. Uh-huh. And then he does that sprint and it is absolutely maximal. It's right at his peak velocity that he can hit, whether it's 100 metres or not, but whatever, peak velocity. Yeah. Half hour now, chilling. 20 minutes, just going to lie in the long jump sand pit, catch some rays, whatever he does. And then, and then 10 minutes warming up to then go again. Yeah. And he's obviously got time to do two sprints an hour, whereas we don't. We've got an hour to do all, you know, all of yeah, it. But, yeah. but do you know what I mean? That, that's just to really illustrate that those long rests are super important with the power work mm-hmm. so that the quality of the work you do is high. Okay. When you cut it down, all you're doing, you're getting more tired. You're not getting more powerful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Down the line, we can talk. Yes. you. Once you're powerful, you can talk about power endurance. Okay. And you can do more reps or repeat power where you have, we'll talk about that in a minute when we yeah. talk about the sprinting on the bike rather than the gym. Yeah. Repeat power is a critical race winning thing to develop. Yeah. But only once you're powerful. Otherwise it's repeat crap power. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <It's>, yeah. <laughs> I've got a repeat slow sprint, yeah. you know? Yeah, so, yeah. so that's, that's the main thing to take away from this is, okay. Yeah. Build that strength first and then think about moving lightweights fast or your body weight fast. Yeah. And if you feel yourself getting tired and it's moving slow then stop, even if it says five reps, if you've done three or, you know, or four and the last one felt crap, then just don't even do the fifth one. Okay. Like that, that's fine. Got um, it. And just because we always want that quality with the power work. Yeah. And so because, I mean, as you explained, it's about the power within a movement pattern and your body's learning how to fire everything in that sequence and move powerfully and faster. I'm guessing you don't just like do one move and you get more powerful. You have to have a combination of various different movement patterns that are relevant to riding a bike. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's a good way to think about it. And all I've talked as well about is the lower body, Mm -hmm. you know, we mustn't forget the upper body as well, especially on the like pumping side. So, uh, let's, yeah, let's go to upper body. Then I'll come back to the first bit there. Uh, so upper body, let's say you can do, you can bang out a set of 20 press ups. Maybe by the end, you're feeling a bit of a burn and a bit of fatigue, and they're getting slower. Well, if you can do 20, then actually, if we want the upper body to be more powerful now, rather than like endurance based, yeah, then we could do eight or 10, but fast press ups where the goal is I get to the bottom and I'm literally trying to push the earth away from me as hard and as fast as I can. Yeah. So you're almost springing off the ground, right? Yeah. You're just like driving up driving up um, and if you are powerful enough that you're going to start sort of taking off there then we can add a resistance band for instance and do uh, a resistance band press up yeah and so the, the band's thing, going over your shoulders yeah you run back. it around your shoulders through your armpits loop your hands through it rather than your thumbs and then the great thing about a band is that you can accelerate all the way into the band because as you do the press up 
the band tension increases. So you don't have to worry about decelerating yourself. You can just push into the band really hard. Uh Um, And the band is a great tool as well for, for instance, if you don't have a barbell or a trap bar, you can do a banded goblet squat, for Mm -hmm. instance, to do power work. You can loop it around the dumbbell or the kettlebell, hold it in front of your chest, which is what a goblet squat is. Make a triangle so your feet are stood on the band. And then from the bottom, your goal is to drive up hard trying to snap that band. Yeah. Okay. And normally, if you drove up that hard, you would probably like jump or go light on your feet, which you a lot of people would be good to avoid doing that initially with a goblet squat because it's really demanding, like landing with that weight on yeah. your back and knees. And so the band lets you just accelerate the whole way. You don't have to decelerate. And so you can you can get powerful using that sort of technique as yeah. well if you don't have like a, a full like gym environment. Nice. And it's a cheap out on the bands. Oh yeah. Expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Like the bands are a no brainer. Like Amazon, you can just have a set of bands. And if you look after them, it lasts absolutely years and years. You yeah. can travel with them, do it in the garden, like wherever you want really. Yeah. So, so that's good. Um, you talked, uh, what was it you said about the lower body? About Well, how- just, just about getting a balance of, of powerful movement ah, that's, that's relevant it, yes. to mountain biking. So we've got that box jump, which is the whole hip and lower leg thing. Yeah. We've got push-ups, which is a push. We've this month on the program we've done some overhead pressing, like um what what's it called? Landmine press. Landmine yeah. press. And we've done some powerful pulling as well, like yeah. a gorilla. Just trying to pull it arm. pull it hard. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's right. So um if we go back to kind of lower body and talking about, yeah, different movements. So you can break down the lower body a couple of ways. So you can talk about like knee dominant stuff. So like squatting type mm-hmm. exercises and then hip dominant stuff like hinging. So deadlifting okay. and, th- yeah. and kettlebell swings and jumping is a hinge as well. A lot of people, a lot of people when they learn this jump, they think they need to do a deep squat first, but you know, look at, look at an athletic person jump. They, they hinge, they don't, they yeah. don't squat to jump anything. And you kids won't either and stuff like it's, it's from your hips. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing also is, that uh, you know, all of the things I've described so far, have all been on both legs. Yeah. Kettlebell swings, jumps, da, da, da. But actually, you know, mountain biking, like life is a single leg sport. And so we need to try and be powerful on a single leg, which is, can be really difficult because now we've got to move quickly, but still keep stable mm-hmm. both like, you, you know, you keep your knee stable, your hip stable and your posture stable, which is uh, partly strength and partly like learning and practice and becoming more athletic and a better human, which yeah. is something I'm always, I talked about last year's podcast. So a simple way to think about it would be, you know, a, a step up. So I've got a box in front of me and rather than maybe having a dumbbell in each hand and sort of grinding them out, I'm going to have my foot on that box and then I'm going to try and crush that box. Like you're crushing a beer can on, <laughs> under your foot, you know, and just crush a box and stand up hard, bang, and then down and then reset yourself and go again, bang, crush a box. And it's got to be that aggression, that speed. And we're not bouncing up and down, just doing reps. It, did you notice I said, and then pause, reset yourself, go again. Because like earlier, we're looking for that quality Chris, I'm not looking to just bounce up and down and do crap reps because then if I bounce off the floor, then the reps are going to be fast, but they're fast because I've made them easy. Yeah. You know, I want to 
create tension. I've got my foot planted on the box. Everything's ready. I'm clenching my fists. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to tense. Bang, crush the box and go again. And then we'll do, yeah, maybe four or five on each leg. Mm-hmm. Or you could even alternate is good as well. Then each leg gets more more rest. Uh, similarly, um, you could set up a very more of a step than a box. For most people, it's only a, you only want a few centimetres or just do it on the floor and you can do a single leg box jump, uh-huh. which is like a hop, you know. You can either swing your arms or put your hands on your hips and right, and just hop and you'll quickly see you're not going to go very <laughs> high uh, because your whole body's got to stabilise everything. Yeah. Um, and you've been doing, we've been doing that with a double leg landing, right? Just to take the yes, impact and that's of, a, off the body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot that was in this month. But yeah, that's a, that's a great way to start actually, Chris. Thank you. Because... Yeah, for a lot of people, the it's the landing is the the more stressful bit on your body, where there's a, a small, tiny amount more risk. So if we can like jump on a single, land on a double, then that means the quality of that power is going to be higher because it's the whole thing is less fatiguing mm-hmm. and it's just moderately lower risk yeah. as well. So um, yeah, and I'd say as well, you know, talking about the quality and things like that is now. This sort of thing is, is a great thing to, to film yourself. You know, everyone's doing that in the gym these days, so you don't look too strange doing it. But, you know, when you're doing a, a jump or a single leg or double leg jump, just film yourself like bang on, head on, exactly square on. Uh, and, and then watch it back, like scrub through, watch it back slowly and just just really look for what, what your knees are doing. Uh-huh. Because what a lot of people are going to do is when they go to jump hard, and fast is their knees just drop in mm-hmm. towards each other. Um, and especially on a, on a single leg. And that's what we don't want. Okay. So that means you either need to concentrate more on creating a bit more tension before you jump uh, by, for instance, imagine trying to like pull the floor apart with your feet before like you jump. Your feet yeah, or screw or drilling yeah. them, screw them into the floor to create tension in your bum and like your glutes. Um, and then that's going to then help to do that. and Or it may mean that you actually just need to strengthen like your hips a bit more to be able to put that force into the floor, but with good good mechanics and good technique. Mm-hmm. And it may be that at the moment you're unable to do that and maybe you just like slow the jump down a bit or, or slow the lowering part down, for instance, but then still jump up uh-huh. quickly or something like that, you know? So, so just, you, you know, do do that little video and I don't think I'm going to regret doing it. I don't think I'll get like a thousand or anything, but, but, you know, put tag me, like put a thing on Instagram or send me like a, a DM on Instagram of you jumping or something. And yeah, I don't think I'm going to get too many that we'll I regret see. that, but we'll see. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. Like get, have at strength factory coat underscore coach on Instagram, ping me a thing over. Um, yeah. And I'll see if I can help rate my jump. Rate, hashtag rate my jump. There we go. It's probably a thing already, but Probably yeah. is, yeah. Cool, all right, good stuff. So have we covered powerful gym-based movements in enough detail there? Do you think that gives people enough to go and have a think about it? Anything we've missed? I think so. Okay. No doubt I'll think of something as I drive home later, yeah. but yeah. And if people have any questions then... Well, yeah, I'm always... One of us yeah, or... I'm always open, you know? Like, yeah, I am an open book. You know, some... Some coaches will tell you there's secret sauce and there's secret training secrets, but well, if there are, I don't know them, Chris, because uh, <laughs> for me, it's just, yeah, do the basics to the best of your ability. Yeah. 
consistently over time that is the secret sauce you know and uh and yeah so very very happy to yeah answer questions i'm always getting questions on on my youtube and stuff like that Good in stuff. the comments and i try to get back to everybody yeah so yeah cool yeah, yeah i've definitely felt an increase in power throughout this month like that you know when you kind of push out of a turn like that not shroud but you know what i mean like yeah it was of, that's why i was complaining about the dust earlier <laughs> but that ability to kind of extend out of a turn use the pressure through the ground to like accelerate out yeah yeah, like yeah. that feels yeah, because I hadn't ridden for, I had a bit of a gap where I hadn't ridden for a week or so and then went out mm. and rode and felt way more powerful kind of in that position. That's just one example, I guess. Yeah, but it's definitely it just gives you off. that ability to quickly wait the bike to do something, to then go light or to change direction, Yeah, you know, uh, or to generate speed. Yeah, like when you're powerful, you can very quickly like bang, push yeah. through the pedals and, and, well, and the bars, but really the pedals yeah. to then, but but you're then strong enough to, to push hard through, but still maintain a good posture yeah. and a good riding position with a nice flat back and like head up, head level, head stable and all that sort of thing. Cause it all ties in together. For sure. You know, nothing's in isolation. Yeah. So and it's the safety thing as well. When you hit that obstacle and it, you wouldn't need to punch the front wheel straight or you hit a big compression you weren't expecting. Yeah. That ability to like pop back off the bike. Yeah, exactly. To, to kind of catch your weight and then like, push the bike back yeah. away so so your stem and your chest never never meet <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, it's that's not fun no it's gross it's gross cool right so we've covered the powerful movement stuff let's talk about the the ability to sprint which is coming from everyone's favorite interval training yeah so yeah there's so so the sprint is uh yeah there's sprints and intervals and they overlap obviously okay. but um yeah so the sprint is closer i guess to what we've talked about and, and we're really talking about your your maximum watts like you're sprinting off the traffic lights okay. you know or from the start hut or yeah. whatever um and the intervals is more about the fitness although intervals can obviously include sprints because okay. we to do that sprint repeat so the sprint end really you can really approach it and treat it in the same way as the gym based work a mm -hmm. lot of the same principles apply where quality is king so there's no point doing slow sprints there's no such thing <laughs> it's just riding a bit faster than normal yeah. um so you know after you're warmed up the sprints you do what i say to people is imagine you're being t chased by a lion mm -hmm. that's how hard you know where it's all in it's all in you're trying to tear the bike apart if you bend your cranks happy days yeah. you're not going to but you know what I mean yeah, yeah. crank so benders it's a Brooke McDonald channel you're in a Brooke McDonald yeah exactly basically. yeah whoever the, whoever's got the biggest sprint of the World Cup think of that person yeah. just tearing the poor bike apart and if you're on the road bike you're trying to like rub the rear wheel on the chain stays and stuff because the whole bike's twisting under the torque you uh -huh. know and, and if you've got access to you know a watt bike or something at the gym then you can measure that mm -hmm. you know I'd say turbo trainers no matter how fancy, whether it's got the wheel off, whether it costs a thousand pounds, you just can't, you know, if you're clipping a bike into it, you just can't do full effort max sprints. Okay. Uh, not that I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, you need a really sturdy bike, like a Watt bike or whatever, mm -hmm. or to do it outside on a real bike. Okay. But for most people, um, outside on your real bike is what's realistic. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And even though you can't measure your progress because you're not, most people don't have a power meter and you can't accurately time yourself over like 50 meters or five, 10 seconds or whatever. So, so that's the tricky bit okay. about it. But yeah, we're looking for quality reps where we're avoiding the burn. We're avoiding fatigue. We're taking long rests between reps like our mate Usain Bolt. Yeah. Um, so that the, so a sprint session might look like this. So you would do, do some sort of like general warm up, 10, 15 minutes spinning, bit of intensity, get the heart rate up. Yeah. And if you want, you know, and there's nothing wrong as well. If you've been, again, sat down all day, then there's nothing wrong with hopping off your bike then and, and doing more of a movement based warm up, okay. like you might at the gym. Just, just get yourself so you feel good. Yeah. And then we can do a couple of warm up sprints, maybe 80% sprint, a few minutes later, 90% sprint. Um, and then, now we're going to do maybe five, five to six second sprints mm-hmm. with five minutes in between and a, a proper five minutes, you yeah. know, actually timed, not just, oh, I'll go again now, but a proper five minute where you can just spin around, you can chill, do it with a friend, you chat, you know, whatever. And each of those sprints to start off, if I would do from a standing start, so it's good, you could practice doing it from a track stand, mm-hmm. uh, flat or slightly uphill. It's yeah. a great place to start because then we've really got to, then they're, especially uphill, it's just a little bit slower. Uh, so, and it's more about the, the force, right? mm-hmm. really getting the force in. It's just a little safer rather than doing it downhill yeah. um, where you're going to send up really fast and doing more gear changes. Mm-hmm. Gear changes is where chains break and you and go over the power, bars yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that's, uh, and I should say that, you know, sprint training it's not like it, it's not dangerous but you need to wear your helmet yeah. and think about where you're doing it because if your chain drops off and you're giving it full gas or your chain breaks or or you or even if you just unclip if you're clipped in like you can have some massive crashes doing that so yeah. you just need to think about where you're doing it okay and, and make sure you're looking where you're going yeah a lot of people just go head down and that's not going to prepare you very well for rate sprinting in a race. And it's a great way to crash into a parked car or something. For sure. Uh, which is bad news. But yeah, so yeah, five, five sprints, five, six seconds each, where every single sprint just literally like you're being chased for your life, you know? And for a lot of people, they find it difficult to, to summon that level of like aggression and mm-hmm. like to get pumped, you know? And you need to find a way of doing that. To, to get that fired up rather than just being a bit like, oh yeah, it was quite hard, but really, <laughs> really you only, you only really went at eight or nine out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could have gone harder. You could have just pressed that bit harder on every pedal revolution, you know? Um, I imagine could, that I'm chasing a mate down a stage in an enduro race. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to catch him. You want to catch him. Yeah. Good. And yeah, take yourself to whatever place you need. Yeah to uh to get that power out and yeah like think of something that makes you angry maybe you know it's generally not a good thing to do but you know it can be useful think of like punctures or flat tires or (laughs) brexit or whatever you want and use channel that rage into a big dirty sprint yeah and then once you feel like whether you're measuring it or not once you're gonna have a, a feel just when you go for a normal ride, oh, you know, I've, I feel I've got a bit more punch. Yeah, yeah. When I drop in at the top or or there's just that little steep climb 
it's only a few seconds, but I used to struggle. Now I can just put a couple of pedal strokes in. I'm over the top of it now where I used to be like struggling. Then you, now you can think, well, we can, we can maybe do more like 10 second sprints, you know, and, and just drag it out a bit longer. Still try and avoid the burn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then more for the racers really is that down the line, once we've developed that um, sprint power, we can then look at sprint repeat. Mm-hmm. And I say more for the racers. It's a valuable thing for anybody. And it's a demanding session um, once you've developed your power. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're repeating crap power, yeah, which yeah. is what I'm always saying to people when they just get a random random workout from some Instagram account. And I'm, I'm doing a sprint workout. And actually they're just getting really tired <laughs> and they're not the first one's a sprint and all the rest of them is just a big grind. Yeah. But, um, so let's talk about, you know, down the line then maybe we've done eight weeks of these sprints, mm-hmm. you know, and you've made some once progress. A week. Yeah. I think once a week's fine. Maybe, maybe twice. If, okay. you know, if you're more gravity focused or, you know, if you enjoy doing it and if you've yeah. got the time, uh, but what, you know, if you're doing some gym work as well and a bit of normal riding, then once a week is enough to, to definitely pick things up. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember as well, like every week doesn't have to be the same. You could have a program where you do sprints twice this week, once next week, twice next week, once this week. Yeah. Um, and life happens as well, doesn't For it? For sure. <laughs> as we, as we all know. And so we could then look at a, uh, a sprint repeat session where, which is really race specific. Mm -hmm. Um, And we could do that in the, in the weeks running up to running up to a race. And again, it's easy to, to really go overboard here and be like, I'm going to do five seconds off, five seconds off for five minutes. And it's like, well, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know? And so, and when you look at how much sprinting that actually is, yeah, it's not that much. There's not that much yeah. in in your average race, unless you're racing somewhere pretty flat or, you know, maybe more cross-country oriented. So, you know, I would do something to start with, like five on 25 off mm-hmm. in seconds. And then for the 25 seconds off, if you're doing this out, well, you could do it indoors or outdoors, for the 25 seconds, you could just remain in a standing position in your normal, like, trail riding position, up, yeah. stood on the pedals, nice posture, try and just recover, try and breathe. You know, you could just turn the pedals a few times if you want just to keep loose. And then, then the second sprint is effectively from a rolling start. If you're doing it outside rather than from a standing start, which is a bit different. You're going to have to use your gears and probably a higher cadence. You're going to be like turning it over a bit quicker. Um, And you could start doing something like that for sort of two to three minutes, which is in the UK, there's not many enduro or downhill races at three minutes For or sure. more, is there? Yeah. Um, and again, so over two to three minutes there, you could be getting sort of five or six still pretty good quality sprints because mm-hmm. you've got 25 seconds recovery. And and it's just appreciating the difference between a good quality sprint repeat session that's really going to develop your race fitness and a session that is maybe more of a VO2 max high intensity interval session, which is valid, but isn't really addressing this need, you yeah. know, it's, it's for something different. So yeah, that's basically your, your progression, you know, and you can, you can 
thing is, you don't want to make it too complicated because when you start getting out of breath, your heart rates up, it's hard. Then you're trying to either remember what you're doing or maybe you've written it on a bit of tape on your top tube or something. Or if you're doing it indoors on, on a Watt bike, you've maybe got it on a, on a screen or mm-hmm. an iPad or something. But actually, it doesn't need to be complicated. Or, or you can just do a, a less structured thing where, you know, the classic one is maybe there's a, a long, you know, long bit of road or fire road and you use like lampposts or trees. Yeah. And you're like this, I'm going to do a sprint from this tree to that tree. And it might be four seconds. It might be sort of seven seconds, but it's about the right amount of time. Yeah. And I'm going to try hard. And so that's, that's good enough for me. You know, it doesn't really matter. And then I'm going to, um, stand on my pedals and like roll back, sort of slowly, you know, roll to a halt, turn around, roll back to the start, you know, or you can just do it in a linear way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't need to be complicated and super, like super sports science and, you know, milliseconds. It's it's about getting the quality work done. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, have a, it's handy to have a computer or a watch on your bars so you can just see the seconds and just have the yeah, clock running. Yeah. You just have a stopwatch running. And every time it says it's on the minute or on 30 seconds, you just sprint for five. Yeah. Boom. Done. It, it couldn't be simpler. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you can. And then again, thinking about making it specific. So a general principle that I'm sure I've banged on about on here before is this idea that as you approach the event or goal, the training should become more specific mm-hmm. and that's in any sport or life, you know, whatever. So typically race in the summer in back in November, it's very general training. We're working on general physical preparation, developing the, the physical qualities of base strength, uh, mobility, single leg balance and movement and aerobic fitness, blah, blah, blah. But then now we're going to start honing in on what I need to do at this race, let's say. Yeah. And so, and, and, and then we can start to do more, uh, what you might call kind of tactical or kind of real world or simulation type training sessions where it's a physical session trying to develop a physical quality like sprint repeat. Mm -hmm. But now it's actually on a trail. It's in the real world. It's, more technical. I've got to be physically and mentally yeah. engaged and switched on because that's what you're going to have to do in a race. And so a session that you will have seen on the complete mountain bike program and that I use with my pro riders as well. It's very simple. It's called fatigued technical skills is what yeah. I call it. Yeah. You're grinning. <laughs> and especially if you live somewhere with a, a smaller hill and you're going somewhere with bigger hills, it's simple before you, just drop in at the top of the trail, we're going to do anywhere from like a five second or 10 or 15 second sprint, like proper sprint into the top of the trail. So I'm now riding the trail with a bit of fatigue, heart rate elevated. And there's that bit of stress at the start as well, you know, and now I've got to calm my breathing, get control and still ride smooth and Mm -hmm. not just ride like a total dribbler, you know? Um, and that's a good way to prepare yourself for the intensity of racing. Similarly, you might find 
a lot of the places where I ride, I don't tend to do big loops. I tend to just go up and down the same fire road mm-hmm. and then just down different trails that often cross that fire road. Yeah. And so that's a great opportunity. I can do the top of that trail. And instead of just nipping across the fire road and carrying on down the hill, I can then go 50 or 100 metres up the fire road and drop the next trail. So I make my trail longer. Uh, okay. So I've got more duration and I've got this like dirty, you know, <laughs> somewhere between a sprint and like a 30 set, you know, yeah. dirty effort in the middle that puts the heart rate through the roof. And now I've got to ride the second half of that trail as well as I possibly can. Yeah. And again, like disclaimer, obviously the more out of breath you are, the more likely you are to crash. You need to build this up gradually. Mm-hmm. You can't just go zero to hero. Yeah. Um, so just build up gradually, focus on your breathing and just keeping it within yourself. And then you just, you go a bit harder each time or you go, you go to more technical trails each time and things yeah. like that. And so we're getting those race or event specific workouts done. Nice. And again, I've talked to a lot about racing and, you know, I know a lot, not everyone here are racers, but even if you are just doing one race a year, just for fun, you can still do stuff like this. And it's, it's quite fun doing the training with some mates. And it just means that you can enjoy the race more because you're, when you get there, it's less of a shock because it's less different to what you've been doing. Yeah. Um, But the same things apply for just going for a riding weekend or a holiday, Yeah. you know? So let's say in the UK, you're going to, to Scotland, you're going to Tweed Valley yeah, and the hills are way bigger than where you live. Um, and you're going to be riding for three or four days back to back. I mean, so, and you normally only ride one day on the weekend. So, you know, as you approach that, we've, we're going a bit away from power and stuff here, but you know, the principle still applies, Chris, that, as you approach it, your training becomes more specific mm-hmm. for the demands of the event or whatever you're aiming for. And so just get, get the calendar out, right. I'm going to, I'm going to Scotland at the end of May for four days. So actually how about end of April, I'm going to speak to, to my partner and just get it in the diary. And I'm going to do two days back to back. So I normally only do one. Yeah. And it's not a massive deal. If you plan it out, you get it in there you communicate it, get some friends on board. Maybe they're going with you. Say, look, we, I think we should do two days back to back and do do two days back to back. And then, you know, you do that. So you have a whole riding weekend to help prepare you for that bigger shift. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, to, you could then even go in the gym on the Monday or something like that. When you get back, just so you, you know, then you learn a bit about how to, to fuel yourself, how to recover, you know, how actually, good food, good hydration, good sleep, all the stuff I'm always going on about, <laughs> how all that stuff becomes more important the more consecutive days you do, Yeah, you know? But uh, yeah, we've gone a bit off the kind of power no, thing. But, helpful. But yeah, but yeah it's, it, I think at the heart of it, it's like, like anything in life, isn't it? It's the principles that are the most important thing. For sure. You know, and when you understand that principle, you can, you know, and if you're a bit methodical, you can figure a lot of it out, yeah. you know? put me out of a job and <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we talked about all this power related work both in the gym and the sprint sessions on the bike for me personally i don't feel as ruined after those sessions as i would after like a heavy strength session mm. or a bigger interval session on the bike 
So I guess there's a temptation to not rest very much, to overdo things. Like how do we look at rest, recovery and nutrition Mm. around this power and sprint-based training? Yeah, you're right. It's a really different feeling and you should really, if you were doing a pure power-based session, you should really walk out the gym feeling pretty good. Yeah. Like better than when you walked in almost and bit of a spring in your step like you should finish feeling like you could have done a bit more is a great way to look at it uh-huh. because then we're in that zone where we've been powerful but we haven't built up the fatigue because fatigue and lactate accumulation i.e the burn mm-hmm. is the enemy of power like it, you know so if you do a power-based session and then when it did 100 squats yeah. until your legs are on fire then there's a good chance that you're not going to reap the rewards of the power-based stuff you did at the start. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, so yeah, like I think sounds like you're doing the right thing. And again, it feels like you're not, um, yeah, you, you don't, you're not going to have like doms sore legs the next day, for instance, and stuff. And so it's easy to think, oh, well, I don't need to be doing as much, but it's, it's just different. Yeah, you know, yeah. you've still got to, to look after yourself and, you know, the whole recovery thing, people get themselves all, all their knickers in a twist with all the fancy this and that. But the heart of it, recovery is about like food, sleep, yeah, hydration, and I guess moving really just, just not sitting on your ass, just go for a walk, do a little mobility, move a little bit. Mm-hmm. That, that's like 90% of it. And anything else is, is icing, on, on the cake basically okay so just look after yourself basically yeah yeah i just i just i think there's a more of a temptation after that work for me to like i feel pretty good i'll go for a ride this afternoon having been to the gym oh, in yeah, the morning, and, or I'll, I'll skip a rest day and go out mm, on the bike or whatever yeah and and look you know on a day like today who wouldn't go for a ride if i trained at the gym this morning i'm still gonna go for a ride but this afternoon uh and that's fine i'm not saying don't do that and and in fact with all my like pro riders, it's exactly what they're going to do, okay. you know, cause they, but they, they also have the capacity, uh, being maybe like younger than us, for instance, uh, and with the time they've got, they've got the capacity to, you know, to make sure they have a really good lunch first. And I'd, I'd encourage them to have a nap or something as okay. well. Uh, so, you know, if you trained in the morning with me and did a load of power work and the weather's mint, and I know they're going to go and do a couple of hours trail riding in the afternoon, I, I'd, say right as soon as the gym session's finished i'm hoping they've brought their recovery drink like a protein shake with mm-hmm. them if not they're in trouble and then and then it's like right you're gonna go home you can have a good lunch like just well balanced again it's not some crazy secret diet it's gonna be some protein some carbs some fat you know maybe like eggs on toast with some salad or something a great yeah. great lunch um make sure they're hydrated again um bit of chill time maybe have a snooze and then this afternoon, go out and have a great ride. You don't have to beast yourself or go on the e-bike or something like that. And, it, and it's all good. Yeah. And so it's just about, you know, we're, we're not, we can't just be always looking for, for perfect, you know. And, and if the weather's great and people are going out, then especially for someone with limited time, then mm-hmm. just go ride your bike. Don't be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I'm never, I never say don't ride your bike because <laughs> you know, skills pay the bills as well. Don't they? They do for sure. And that's why we're doing it because we love bikes. Yeah. It's all about getting out on the bike. And even if you're not racing, 
you're going to feel better on a trail. You're going to have a better time. Yeah. And you know what as well? I think uh, talking specifically about the power, let's say you've been to the gym in the morning and you've done one of those sessions where you've done some, some box jumps, some explosive press ups, maybe some kettlebell swings and things like that. Quite often that afternoon ride, you're going to feel really good as well. Uh You're going to feel like it's just kind of got you switched on. Like you're a bit, bit more sparking and like you've got that energy to put into the bike into the pedals and you know especially if you do a little warm-up before the ride you're going to feel quite loose and Mm -hmm. good you know so and and then embrace that you know and just have a really fun ride and and sort of send it you know nice sounds good to me well if it's okay i'm going to pick your brains a bit on my personal situation Mm. so i'm training as I think most people know for EWS 100 in Tweed Valley, which is feeling really close now. Um, and I've been following your complete MTB program for a good chunk of time. And about three or four weeks ago, I was feeling really good, felt on track, but then as you do with kids, you get a cold kind of put me out for a week or so. Um, then a week away traveling, which took a lot longer to recover from than I expected, but then I'm older than the last time I traveled (laughs) thanks to COVID. Um, And I guess, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit behind. I think if I was to summarize where I think I am, like my upper body strength, I think is as good as it's ever been. I feel pretty good there. I think I could be a bit stronger in my lower body. I think I have been stronger in the past, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe five years ago, Um, but then I was five years younger. Um, But I think the biggest gap is in my, engine really allow me to do long days um yeah i guess any advice in ways to kind of modify that program or things to think about as i move towards the event because we're about eight or nine weeks away i think maybe yeah it's the fourth of june is the day and we're just uh yeah about nine nine and a bit weeks I'd yeah. say and we talked a little bit on the ride this morning I guess about like fatigue and stuff and some of what I've experienced as well there. Yeah. so maybe there's some stuff there we could dig into a bit. yeah I think um, when we chatted about this this morning uh, when we went for a ride um, I think what did I say to you I said because we, we you know you were talking about how you felt today so you weren't feeling mega on the bike today mm. for the reasons you've just explained like you're just hanging out a bit more than normal on the climbs and, and that's fine we all have those days like that's the first thing i'd say like every ride you're not going to be peaking yeah um and you know you've had you had the lurgy you had covid and traveling and all this sort of thing um and so what i said was to tell the difference between whether it's like fitness or fatigue is that you feel fatigue at the start of a ride. Mm-hmm. So if you're struggling at the start of a ride, that's fatigue. Like okay. it's built, built up in your body emotionally and physically. And if you're feeling like slow and like you, you're not very fit at the end of the ride, well then that's fitness because you're then not fit enough to endure the length and the intensity of the ride that you're doing. So that's the first thing to understand really is, you know, right from the start today, you weren't feeling that too hot, you know, and you actually got better as we went, as you kind of got into it. So although it wasn't a super long ride, that's going to sort of really tax you because you've been doing the training, you know, to me, I'd look back over if I was working with you one-to-one, we'd look back at what you'd done and, and realize actually, yeah, you, you're probably just a little like run down and stuff at the moment. And that's why you feel that way. Mm -hmm. And so 
And then you said, he said, ah, oh, but you know, I had that week off for COVID. And I was like, well, that's not a week off. Like <laughs> that's not a, that's actually probably more demanding on your body being ill than a training week, uh-huh. just in a different way, because your body's not like getting this really good quality rest and recuperation where you can, your muscles are laying down like gains, you know, yeah, yeah. and you're where you're, where you're, aerobic system is adapting and all that it's it's the opposite it's it's fatiguing because your body's working hard just to function at its most basic level which is you know your immune system working and just feeling good and yeah you know and all that sort of thing so and then you've had that travel as well which is tiring for anybody Mm -hmm. and so you know looking at your particular case right now i i'd say it's a bit bit of crap timing because the weather's amazing <laughs> and it's spring has started but now is the time you know there needs to be a bit of backing off you mm-hmm. know and you know this weekend is lord's world cup and which has been put on mother's day which I is know. oh man bad schedule yeah i haven't begun negotiations yet but, really, <laughs> but yeah so th- there's definitely potential that you know this weekend you're not going to be riding uh or not very much maybe and so yeah. there's you know, potential to have a good few days off where you can just be nice and chill, maybe go for a really easy spin if you like. Um, it will be a great time just to do an e-bike ride if you still want to get out, if mm-hmm. you've got one of those, if you're lucky enough. And then, you know, after that little bit of recovery, you're probably going to feel in quite a different place. Okay. Because when on those days where you go out like today and you feel a bit crap, you're like, oh, it, it's easy to just get in a bit of a, bit of a frump about it like, oh god i've done all that training in the winter then i've had two weeks off basically and i've lost it all it's all gone but yeah. it absolutely hasn't and so there's something called for instance uh what's it called residual effects of training uh-huh. which is basically how long physical qualities remain in your body when they're untrained yeah and so for instance your aerobic fitness um that sort of zone two base, that endurance, the base of everything else that sticks around for like three weeks, three, okay. you know, I think it's 25 days plus or minus five days. Okay. So there's a window there, like 20 to 30 days, three, whatever, yeah. um, untrained. And so you're within that uh-huh. and you've done some rides. You went e-biking with Nico, you went yeah. uplifting, you've, you've been active. You rode with me this morning. Yes, you were ill, but actually, that probably hasn't even been eroded, you know. Frustratingly, having felt really good from doing the power work, the, the high end qualities like power and sprint, they're the they're the quickest ones to go. Mm-hmm. But you've still done that quality of work, Chris. It's still in there. Yeah. And then when you just start feeling good and doing it again, it's it's like it's easier to come back. It's easier to to pick it up again, basically. Yeah. So, you know, it's like the people who are terrified of taking a a week off or, or like, or just even an easier week because they're going to lose all their gains. And it's nonsense because that's when the gains come. That's when the real progress comes. When you uh-huh. have good quality training followed by good quality recovery, that is when you grow uh, and get quicker. So the first thing I'd say then is I'm just going to reassure you. I think it's going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you're probably not as far behind as you might think you are yeah and then going back to what we talked about at the start like this idea of like the reverse periodization 
where, yeah, it's really hard to get the big rides in in the winter. Well, after a few days off now, clocks change this weekend. Yeah. There's every chance now to just get that, get those miles in. And you said that you're going, you're going to Inleithen with Sai from Kotick. Yeah. We're going to do a, like a simulation two days, a practice day and a race day. <sighs> that makes me happy. It's like, yeah, it's exactly what I was talking about earlier, isn't it? Yeah. I and mean, what's more specific? So you're going to go up there, yeah, two big back-to-back days where you're going to hit about the same amount of elevation and pedalling for back-to-back days. And then you've then, what you've also then got is a bit of time afterwards to adjust if you mm. need to. If you're found short or whatever, um, then you've got some time to address it. Yeah, we've got a month or so. Yeah. yeah. And you can, you know you can get some stuff done there. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I'd say that when you do that is, is make it as specific as possible. So think of it as a simulation or, or a rehearsal, a dress rehearsal, uh-huh. literally dress rehearsal where as much as you can, your bike is exactly how you're going to race it. Tires set up, yeah. mud guard, like hopefully nothing changes after that apart from some new brake pads, maybe whatever. And then, what kit am I wearing? You know, you've probably got an idea of what you're going to wear um, and then what you're going to carry. And then probably more, most importantly, what you're going to eat and drink. Yeah. Um, because that is, you know, cause you don't have a water bottle cage except under the down tube. So yeah. you're going to have to carry uh, some sort of camelback or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and think, well, how can we, how can we make this really specific and, and really simulate it? And so, Yeah practice your nutrition like what literally what are you going to have for breakfast on on both days so plan yeah. it before you go like you and Sai and get a shop done hopefully you can have the same sort of thing makes life easier and that way as well when you then get to the event it's one less decision to make yeah every yeah. decision you make is a little bit of mental stress and fatigue yeah you want to get to that race knowing exactly not on the race morning being like oh do I put the cliff bar in or the thingy bar or how many do I take and this and that. No race day. You just get up and you're like a robot. Yeah. I'm going to eat my porridge or eggs or whatever. And my bag's packed the night before. And I know it's got five of these bars and two gels and there's two liters of water. Cause I know where the water stop is. And yeah, it's that full dress rehearsal. Yeah. And then at the end of that first day of riding as well, um, what what are we going to have for our evening meal? And what is my kind of my, my recovery process as well to go again the next day? Yeah. Because the more consecutive days there are, the more important your food and recovery is on every prior day. Uh-huh. So yeah, am I going to take a foam roller with me or a massage gun? Or, you know, am I going to go for a little spin or a walk after dinner? Um, just all those little things. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It's not like high-end, high-performance sports science. It's just just making sure that you are prepared and that you rehearse just doing the basics, Yeah, you know? And little things like, yeah, you might get up there, you're staying, are you staying in like an Airbnb or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like if the curtains are rubbish and it's summer in Scotland, it's really bright and it's like light until 10 at night and you need to get your head down, just take like a, an eye mask or something like that. And uh-huh. just little things can make quite a big difference, you know? Um, so that's kind of the first thing, that principle of it becoming more specific. Um, and then 
yeah, you've you've got the opportunity to get the the big rides in. Um, and the other thing that I have talked about to a few riders recently is as you're approaching going racing, you know, no, you're not going to try and be on the podium at the EWS 100. You what? <laughs> well, sorry, Chris. <laughs> no, definitely not. But, uh, but you still want to race it the best you can. Yeah. To, to really, you want to, you know, the goal is to get to the end of the race and think I rode my best and gave it my best. Yeah. And so that means like thinking about lines and stuff like that, you know, rather than just clattering down the main line through the holes and stuff. And so think about your riding now. And when you go to in, in Leithen on that trip, because what, if you think about how you ride your bike through the year, if you're thinking about this from a racer's point of view, this is how I encourage them to do it. I say in the winter, like in the slot, miles away from races, make as many turns, make it as awkward and as windy and as indirect as possible because to develop your skills mm -hmm. and have fun, do like scandies and skids and, and all of that. And, and that's developing your bike riding skill. But then that isn't the quickest way down the hill. Yeah. Like we've all seen Ben Cathro and Aaron Gwynn and the way they look at a track is completely different to that. And it's about opening up turns and straight lines and maybe looking for smooth bits. Yeah. You know, Sam Hill uh, on Pink Bike a few years ago, like there's such good video and he's just always looking for the smoothest line. And if you're doing long stages and smooth is, yeah. is sufficient, you know? And so, but if you think you're just going to suddenly turn up on race day and suddenly just be able to ride race lines, you're not going to be able to, uh -huh. you know? So, so in the run up now, let's start switching your approach on your trail rides on your familiar trails. Right. If I was racing this, if there was tape here, how am I going to ride this? Cause it's probably okay. different to what you're doing now. Yeah. Cause we had a great time this morning about popping off of ro uh, rocks and it was rad. Yeah. And there's loads of lines on your local spot here, which is wicked. But yeah, how, we would have ridden it. If there was tape there, we would have ridden it differently against the clock for sure. Yeah. And so start taking that approach when you go riding because make it more specific. Uh -huh. And then you're starting to get your, you know, you're naturally going to look at a trail, interpret it like that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just switch it on on race day. It's a mindset thing. Yeah. 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 So it's mindset. It's, it's learning how to do it. Yeah. Where to open up and it encourages you to look up as well. I'm a nightmare for looking too close to <laughs> yeah, my front same. wheel. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people are, that's what separates, I think a lot of the, the top riders. Yeah. Um, yeah. So think about your approach to the trails as well, I think is, is really useful. Uh -huh. Um, and then, yeah, I guess, I mean, coming up in the program and in general are the intervals as well that, you know, you've already done some of them. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about intervals in terms of like the sprint repeat and stuff, but, but then the other side of intervals would be your like real high intensity ones, like maybe 30 seconds to, to a minute or two and things like that. And they, you know, when you do that work, it really pushes up your ability to kind of put out power mm -hmm. and effort over those more prolonged periods. And, and again, they're a great way to prepare yourself like your cardiovascular system for the intensity of racing on yeah. longer tracks. 
Um, they also help, you know, everything overlaps. You know, I talk about, oh, your aerobic does this and your sprint does this. And then you've got your like VO2 max intervals, like 30 a minute or whatever in the middle, but they all overlap. Like your VO2 max intervals, like a minute on three minutes off or something that improves your endurance. Yeah. You know, it overlaps and helps improve your, your aerobic fitness and your aerobic fitness helps you to recover and to be efficient on those one minute VO two max intervals. So everything overlaps. Yeah. And so when we just have that nice sort of broad training program, we work on different qualities throughout the month, throughout the year. And that's, you know, that's what you get when you buy into a program rather than just always seeking like a, a free workout of the day yeah, on yeah. Instagram that's got no context, yeah. you know? And some of them, they might be the best workout in the world, but what did you do before it to get you ready for it? And what are you doing next week? Because it's just a random workout and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's better than doing nothing. For sure. I'm happy that you're training. I'm stoked. And you're doing something positive. So absolutely do it. And I don't want to ever seem elitist, but you know, where does it fit into the big picture? You know, yeah. uh, about building up to something and layering the physical qualities on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what it's all about. Like we, you know, you build up the layers of strength and fitness and mobility and then power and then repeat power. And then we just try and like, just bring it all together and then apply that on the trail for those kind of, more tactical sessions like we talked about the race simulation, the rehearsal, and then we go and apply it on race day or you go and apply it by having a sick week in the Alps or Whistler or wherever. And you're able to recover each day because you know, you've, you've done it correctly. Um, and I guess that's haphazard. Yeah. That's where the expertise comes in, right? You can find any exercise in the world on YouTube and it'll tell you how to do it, but building a program that enables you to develop yeah. over a period of time is where someone like yourself with that expertise of how to piece that together, that's where the benefits come again. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and look, yeah, obviously I, uh, I'm, I do this for a living, you know, yeah. and so people pay me to go through this process with them, but you know, you can have a, it's better to be, even if you don't want to pay for a program, that's cool. Just, just sit down and be methodical mm. and think, you know, it's that classic thing where, where am I now? Where do I need to be? What are the gaps? Yeah. It's a really good, good way to approach most problems or projects in life. Yeah. You know, that's like project management in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's a, an engineering thing or oh, the car goes this fast, but it needs to go this fast. The gap is this. Yeah. How do we sort it out in the turns on the straights, whatever? Well, this is the same, isn't it? this is where I'm at now. Yeah. That's where I need to be. I've got this much time, break it down, be methodical. And, and remember it is, you know, it is the physical. So it's, and even if you don't like the gym, it could be doing some bodyweight training in your garage or your garden. Um, it could be getting in the gym. It's, it's riding a bike. I think every time I've been on here, I harp on about skills coaching <laughs> about how good, you know, and it's everywhere now. It's definitely a thing. And I think the, the average quality of skills coaching is just going up and up and up. Yeah. I think it used to be a bit more hit and miss, but there's some amazing coaches knocking about when I think about the ones working near us and the work they do. Yeah. Uh, 
so yeah, you know, you can close that skills gap as well. Um, and then, yeah, like how do you close that gap? It's just a methodical process where one thing comes after the other and it's simple mm-hmm. and it's consistent. And, you know, cause that consistency goes across all of it, uh, at all different scales, Chris, you know, cause I'm again, <laughs> I'm like a broken record. I'm always talking <laughs> about consistency, but I'm consistently consistent. Um, in a training session, let's say we're talking about intervals, like VO2 max intervals, which we touched on. Let's mm-hmm. say you do one minute really hard, nine out of 10 effort, like seated, maybe a bit of standing. So it's really hard. Your heart rate is peaking. And then you've got two or three minutes off and then you're going again. So you're learning to be really powerful to really, and to suffer a bit for a minute. Yeah. Um, the goal isn't to do the best first interval, and then they all tail off because you went just way too deep on the first one, which is usually what men do. It's <laughs> be like, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> um, the goal really, a, a good session there is if I look at like the data, if someone did it on a turbo trainer and I could see the power is like four or five reps where they're very similar mm-hmm. in that power output. And so that over the, over those four or five reps, it's the average power across all of them. That's where the magic's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, that consistency there. Yeah. And then over the weeks, those, that power just consistently just, just nudges a couple of Watts. Yeah. A little bit more intensity because we're never going to just, you don't become fit in one workout. You don't become fit in one week or even a month. Really. You can yeah. feel a difference in a month, but you know, it's not night and day. You become fit over, consistent training over weeks, you know? And so mm-hmm. when you break down that time between now and whatever, just think about how can I be consistent rather than I'm going to smash it this week, which I, I've got a feeling I've already said this too many times on your podcast, but I think people always need reminding of it. But yeah, because yeah, I get carried away, especially when the weather gets good. For sure. And yeah, my temptation feeling a bit behind the curve now is to double down and go harder. But what you're saying is, actually I need to back off back off first and then you can go harder yeah because there's no reason why you can't go harder than you were before but not from where you are right now today yeah yeah so so I just realized that the listeners can't see but I was literally like staring at Chris and like pointing a jabby (laughs) finger at him and like you've got to rest Rest. for a few days Chris yeah and then but then once you've rested actually that, like I said earlier, that fitness is in there. That strength is in there. Yeah. It's in the legs. It's in your blood. It's in your nervous system. And there's no reason why now, once you've recovered from being poorly and your flight to America, yeah, no reason why you can't step it up. As long as you just look after yourself, you know, eat your veggies, go to yeah. bed early, drink your water. Not too much, not too much boozing. I've a hundred percent got the going to bed early bit dialed. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm a big fan of that as well. And just like bed early, wake up early, feeling like pretty good. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's the way to go, isn't it? Nice. Good stuff, man. That's super helpful. Like everything we've covered is very interesting and super relevant, I think. And hopefully a lot of people will benefit from that discussion. If people want more support with their training and they're interested in a program or one-to-one or whatever, just remind us what the options are now. Cause you've kind of expanded your offering a little bit over the last six months or so. Yes. Yeah, so, well, the program we've talked about most 
today is a complete mountain bike program. Yeah. And as the name suggests, it, it pretty much gives you everything you need. So it gives you all that on bike stuff. So all your intervals, sprints at the right time of year, strength training, mobility, all wrapped up together, even yoga. Yeah. Sorted. Complete mountain bike program. Um, and so that's, it's pretty much for anyone, maybe a little bit more towards the, the racer and the people who, who you know, injury free, healthy weight, things yeah. like that, that that's where you guys need to go. Um, for, then I've also got, which I launched in our last podcast together yeah. back in November, the over 40s mountain bike program, which has been really popular, right? Yeah. 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 After that podcast, it was the reception for that has been brilliant. Mm-hmm. And because that was, it literally launched with that podcast and it's a 20 week long program. So actually the first people, the early adopters who joined in that first week or two are just coming to the end of it now, oh, nice. um, which has been brilliant. So I've been on a season, just getting such good feedback on it from people who are just getting back into exercise or maybe they've had injuries and niggles. And it's just a common thing is, yeah, you know, just going out, going for a big ride, feeling better my knee doesn't hurt or my lower back doesn't hurt because it's just a a bit of a gentler approach Mm -hmm. with like a slower build yeah a lot of it's like single leg and body weight you know we're not like chucking about heavy weights and stuff like that and much Um, less or no requirement for a gym effectively and you can do it at the gym or at home where it's a complete mountain work program i should have said yeah you need a gym so uh, those are like the two main things um if you want just want more free content of me waffling on about 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 training then you should definitely get on my youtube channel um i'm trying to put out some like good regular content on yeah, there there's some helpful stuff um, there for sure and yeah just to remind people as well that yes you know i work with a load of pro athletes training for the enduro world series and you know some of the fastest dudes in the country which is awesome but i also work with um loads of just normal people. Like I've got quite a good, good squad of like dads at the gym who nice. are like mountain bike dads pretty much. Um, and online as well. So, you know, if you need anything, just, just try me. Cool. Um, and as always, I like to look after the downtime listeners cause they look after me. Nice. And, um, so I've got a couple of discount codes for you now. It's a little frustrating. There's two codes for the two programs just because of the way my app works, okay. but it doesn't really matter. Basically, if you would like 20% off the complete MTB program, then just use the code downtime podcast mm-hmm. at checkout. Lowercase, uppercase, does it matter? Uh, I think it just goes in as upper Okay. Um, anyway. So it sorts it out for you. Yeah. Uh, that means that your initial part of the program is 71 US dollars instead of 89. Okay. And that's for your initial eight week program, mm-hmm. which gets you started on that. Yeah. Um, and then for the over 40s program, it's downtime podcast forty four zero. No spaces, just downtime podcast four zero. We'll obviously get it in the show notes. So that's how it goes. We will. Uh, and that gives you twenty percent off the over forties program, which is twenty weeks long and brings it down to one hundred and fifty one US dollars. I forgot to do the conversion, but it's so a bit less in pounds. Of that, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason, just so you know. I still live in the UK, but it's an American app I use, which is why it's in dollars just yeah. to confuse people. But And yeah. to be fair, the app is super useful, right? Because it means you've got all your exercises, all the videos, your program, everything you need to track it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you get your HD videos to show you how to do everything safely, which is really important to me. And look, they are off the shelf programs. I'm not actively coaching you, but 
I always respond to questions and problems and, oh, I'm struggling with this exercise. Can you help? And, you know, that's all part of it, you know, because yeah. it's not just sell and forget. I do, I do care. I want, I want to get those emails at the end saying that people are enjoying mountain biking more or they're getting a better race result or they're dropping their mates. You know, <laughs> those are the emails and the, and the Instagram messages that I want to get. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what gets me out of bed through the winter months is getting those messages in the summer. And then the best bit about summer is on a Monday doing reposts on Instagram showing my riders on podiums all over the country and all over nice. the world. Like that is the, that is the best bit. Yeah. Hard work in the winter pays off in the summer, whether you're the coach or the rider. Nice. Good stuff. <laughs> and um, yeah, there's that chat facility within the app, right? Which is kind of where a lot of people have used that for, oh, this yes. exercise isn't working. Exactly. Yeah. So, so there is a little bit of a community element in there Yeah. Um, where, yeah, sometimes I've got some great members and someone will ask a question and before I've checked it, because yeah, I'm a one-man band, I can't be on it the whole time. Yeah. Before I've checked it, someone else has answered it for me. I'm like, <laughs> well, happy days. So uh, there's some really, really great positive people on there Yeah. Um, from all over the world as well nice. uh, on both programmes. So, uh, yeah, I'm stoked on it. So Good stuff, man. Yeah. And where's the, remind everyone where the website is? thestrengthfactory.uk and it is thestrengthfactory thestrengthfactory and it's just UK yeah. I didn't forget to put co in there it's just .uk <laughs> okay um, yeah there's another strength factory on Google it's a gym up north somewhere but okay. you'll figure out it's yeah, um, mine's got again, mine's got bikes all yeah, over it I'll put a link in the show notes try and make it easy for, for sure yeah and uh, yeah get over to my YouTube make sure you subscribe I'm nearly on 4,000 subscribers nice. and I think I think you guys can Tip me over the edge. Good stuff. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it's been very, uh, very useful, very informative as ever. It was fun getting out on the bikes this morning as well, even though I wasn't firing on all of my not very many cylinders, but that will improve. Uh, so, yeah, thanks a lot for your time. Hope you have a nice, relatively calm drive back down south, and we'll catch you again soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. I'll see you soon, Chris. Bye. Cheers, mate. All right, that's it for this episode with Ben. I hope you enjoyed listening and learned something that's useful to you. I know I definitely took a lot away from this episode. Don't forget to head over to thestrengthfactory.uk. That's thestrengthfactory.uk and make the most of those discount codes that we talked about in the show before they expire on the 15th of April. A massive thanks to Magira for supporting this episode of the show. If you want to upgrade your braking to get incredible power and stability, along with the ability to customise the brakes to your needs, all without spending a fortune, then head over to magira.com and check out their MT5 brakes. Also, a massive thanks to Canyon. Keep an eye on their website over at canyon.com as they'll soon be showing you the results of their work on what the future of e-bikes is going to look like. And we'll be hearing from some of their e-bike team on the podcast next week too. Here's a few other links that might be useful to you downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch and forward slash EP if you'd like a copy of the first issue of our lovely print project Downtime EP as always spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening that's it for today but until next time get out and ride (laughs) 